to What the Fertility Season 2. Today, it is just me on um, with, we actually have our guest, Samantha, with us. Um, she is in Charleston, and Kat and her actually met um, through Instagram, and they actually use the same adoption agency, which is really cool. Kat wishes she could be on today, uh, but it's just me today. Um, but we'll be talking about recurrent miscarriage, also pregnancy um, spontaneously, high-risk pregnancy, and so much more. So, Samantha, we're so happy you're here. Hi, thanks for having me. Well, like I said just before, we basically give our guests kind of the whole floor. I know you've been through so much over the last few years, and it's been quite a journey. So I will just go ahead and let you get started kind of where it all began with like your infertility and all that. Perfect. Yeah. So my husband and I have been married almost 10 years. Um, we've been in Charleston for just over six years, I believe. Um, so really, this started back in 2018. Um, we both turned 30. And we were kind of like, all right, maybe now we should start thinking about kids. Um, And so we kind of, my husband never really wanted to like try to get pregnant. He just like wanted it to happen. And I'm like, okay, that's not how that works, but whatever. So um, yeah, that's the saying. Yeah. So we were like, okay, we'll try, not try. I was kind of still looking at like a calendar um, but my husband didn't know. I was just kind of looking to see like, okay, this is when I should be ovulating. Da, da, da. So around that time, um, we were both kind of just getting healthier. I was having a lot of gut issues. So we were doing like blood work, acupuncture, supplements, just all that kind of stuff to see where things were. Um, my hormones were a little off, not like crazy off where it wouldn't support a pregnancy, but enough where it was like, okay, maybe, maybe that's why I'm not getting pregnant. Maybe we should get this under control. And so that's kind of why we did the acupuncture and the supplements to kind of help with that. Um, and then also my blood work was showing that maybe I wasn't ovulating every month or if I was ovulating, it was kind of late, um, which then wouldn't support a pregnancy at that point. So we were just trying to figure that out. Um, around Thanksgiving that year, I missed a period. And so I took a test and it was negative, but I still... I felt off, but yeah, I didn't really know. So I was kind of Googling. That's kind of what I learned what a chemical pregnancy was, but just, you know, whatever. Um, couple, I think maybe like a week later, I got my period and it was heavier. And so I called my doctors. I think I bled for like two weeks. And um, yeah. So then after I stopped bleeding, they had me come in for an ultrasound to check, like, did I have any cysts? What was that? You know, what was going on? And everything looked fine. And so we talked about like, maybe it was a chemical pregnancy. Maybe I, I was just stressed, not really any answers. Um, so knowing what I know now, I'm pretty sure that was my first chemical pregnancy. Um, but yeah, so I, I didn't feel like grief with that though, because I didn't have confirmation that it was a pregnancy. Um, so 2019, we kind of started actively trying So we're like, all right, this isn't just happening. So I was doing like ovulation kits. We were like kind of timing the acupuncture. I talked to my doctor and she had scheduled, um, did an order for my husband to have like a semen analysis just cause she was like, you know, you could spend years doing this and yeah. then find out maybe he's okay. the problem. Yeah. Yeah. Of course. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. So that came back totally fine. So we were like, all right, cool. Just keep trying to figure things out. We, um, didn't feel led to do IVF. Um, we just always kind of were like, that doesn't really feel like something we want to do. I personally felt like if we did, it wasn't going to work. 
So I just didn't want to put like time, energy, emotion into that. Sure. And, and all the money. So that's a huge expense in itself. Absolutely. Exactly. Exactly. And adoption was something that we had always talked about and considered. I had family members who were adopted. Um, the community I grew up in, tons of people like adopted and did foster care. So it was always something that was like in my life and on my radar. Yeah. And something we even talked about early on in dating that we were, I was kind of like, this is something that's important to me. How would you feel about it? And he was just like, yeah, cool, whatever. <laughs> um, sounds good. That's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. So that was really good. Um, so yeah, we were like later, so 20, 2019 later, we were driving home um, from Christmas. Our parents live in Florida and we were just like kind of sad. We were just like, this sucks. Like we keep, you know, we want a baby so bad. Like it's not happening. What do we do? You know, we're doing everything in our power. We feel like, um, so, and up in that, at that point, my doctor had kind of just been like unexplained infertility, right? Like she was seeing all the blood work that I was doing with like the holistic practitioner. And, um, she was just like, I see nothing here. This, everything looks good. Um, I think she had ordered some at that point as well. And everything from her end looked good as well. So, no answers. Um, so we were just like, okay, like what's next? Do we just pursue adoption now? Like what, what should we do? So we're Christians and we just, we really prayed about everything. And, um, on that drive home, we were like, I wonder if there's any podcasts on adoption. So we searched that. And the first one that came up was the agency that we actually ended up using. Oh my God. That's so, isn't that so crazy. So like it's um, never that simple. Like that's, I feel like it was just them so meant to be because it never is like that easy. Just like you find something that works. Totally. Totally. So when it came up, I was like, okay, let me research these people a little bit. Cause you know, you don't want to just listen to whatever's out there. You want to see like the background. And when I started Googling them and got on their website, I saw that they were actually based in South Carolina. And I was like, wait, what? that's crazy. Yeah. Um, and so yeah, we started listening to it and then that's when we really, you know, just the education side of things like with adoption, it's, you know, completely different than what I thought it was. Right. Um, just the ethics. Sure. Yeah. So much. So, um, yeah, we listened to, I think almost all of their podcasts on the drive home. Cause it's like where parents live, it's very South. So it's like an eight, nine hour drive. Um, so after listening to that, we were kind of like, okay, we, we really think this is what we should be doing. Um, but we had this big trip to plants or to France planned and we had been planning it for like a year. My husband's grandfather was in world war two. And so we were like going to go through the whole country, like every place he had been. Um, and so that was supposed to be March, 2020. Oh my and, God. No. Yeah. Yeah. So we were like, all right, after we get back from France, we're going to like hit the ground running with, with adoption. And obviously, so at this point, sorry, I don't mean to cut you off, but at this point, are you guys like still trying without trying or yes. you are? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. We were kind of just like, we will pursue this. And if a pregnancy happens, that's great. You know, we obviously want that to happen, but if not, then adoption is what we want to do. And so during that time too, like between, you know, December when we kind of made that decision that yes, this is what we were going to do. And then all the way up until like, well, through COVID and stuff, we really, you know, talked a lot about what like grieving and fertility looks like. And are we okay if we never get pregnant, if we never have a biological child, like, is that okay? 
And ultimately we decided that, you know, we wanted to be parents. A pregnancy was kind of just a means to becoming parents. It wasn't like, okay, I must be pregnant and give birth. I just wanted to be a mom. Be parents. Yeah. No, of course. Totally. So, um, and that with, you know, miscarriages and things like that, obviously that kind of changes things and adds like different emotional aspect to it. But at that point I was totally fine if I never got pregnant and it was, that's just, you know, we grew our family through adoption. Um, so COVID hits, France gets canceled. We just like everybody like renovated our house. We'd been thinking Mm -hmm. about moving. So we did that. I listened to like every adoption podcast ever. Um, and yeah, didn't care if I ever got pregnant. Um, so we were like, we're not going to be able to go to France, you know, next month or in two months, like that's, you know, going to be kind of a long ways down the road. So what are we waiting for? Like, why do we not just go ahead and start the adoption process? Oh, I I know it was like, obviously France. Cause like, hello, that would have been such a fun vacation, but I mean, you have been waiting. So you're like, okay, let's just go ahead and do it now. Yeah. Yeah. So we contacted the agency, like did all of the things. Um, they have a, they had a wait list or they still have a wait list, um, before you go active just because they only work with like a small number of families. So we got on the wait list and started all the home study stuff. Um, and did all that paperwork, sent in all the things that we needed to. And then I know like listeners who are like wanting to possibly start the process of adoption. I know it is different, obviously, depending on each couple and each agency I'm sure is different, but like how long for the paper, I just know from like cat side of it, of how long it took, of from like, okay, you were like, yes, let's do it. You got on the wait list to, okay, our home study is like complete. How long did that take you? So the wait list was around six months, I believe is how long we waited. Home study, we did everything that we needed to, and then waited, our home study provider waited to send the paperwork in until right before he went active. So a lot of people talk about paperwork and there is a lot of paperwork and a lot of clearances and stuff that you need. I wasn't working at the time because I'm a hairstylist. And so our salons were closed because of COVID. So for me, it really didn't seem like that much just because I did have time to just sit down and fill everything out. Um, And then our home study provider was just, she's amazing. So she, you know, handled everything that needed to be handled. And I just did everything that I needed to do on my end. So the paperwork part, I mean, that really didn't take that long. And then I think when she sent, I think she sent all the clearance stuff in maybe like, I think maybe two months, I can't remember at this point, but maybe two months before we went active. And so I feel like we got all of our clearances within like three weeks. Oh, I, wow. I could be misremembering things no, just yeah. because a lot's happened since then. But um, I was surprised that it didn't take quite as long as I thought it would. And because we had moved within five years from a different state, we had to do stuff in the state that we're from as well. Oh, I didn't even think about that. Yeah. Just to check, like, yeah, make sure, you know, we weren't on any registries or anything. Um, so yeah, we did all of that. Um, and then during that time we decided that we were going to build a house and sell our house. And that was when the housing market like started to boom. So like we sold our house in less than 24 hours and they wanted to close super fast. We had just started building our house. So yeah, we're going to live. Yeah. So we moved into like a little tiny one bedroom apartment. We had boxes all over the place. Um, 
that was crazy and baby stuff. Cause we had gone ahead and gotten like our stroller and our car seat because we knew like, okay, if we go active, what are the things we need to bring a baby home? Yeah. At so, this point, you're not active yet. Right. And this we is weren't active. What you're now like September. So this was like, yeah, August was when we sold our house and moved into the apartment. Um, and they kept saying like our number on the wait list was moving pretty quickly and it would, you know, it would move a lot one month and then maybe just one space the next month. So you, it was kind of an estimate. Um, so we, we're like, we'll just get all this stuff just in case. So, you know, I've got like a stroller, a car seat, like in my one bedroom apartment next to like all of my, my couch, you know, it was they crazy. Say, they say what it t- could take like a couple of years. If you, once you get active, what is the like statistic? I don't even know exactly. What do they tell you? Yeah. So the national average wait time is two years. Okay. Our agency that we use, typically people place less than that, but they don't give because for ethical reasons and stuff, which I totally, you know, support and appreciate. Um, they're not going to be like, Oh, if you work with our agency, you'll have placement in a year faster. Yeah. Yeah, Because it's not, you know, it's not, not buying a baby. It's it's adoption. I never even thought of it like, yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah. So, and that's, you know, again, one of those things that as we started learning more and got into kind of this adoption world and community, Yes, I wanted a baby like yesterday, but at the same time, it's not really about me. You know, it's I'm the privileged party in the triad. It's about, you know, the expectant moms. Are they being cared for? And that's why we chose our agency because they really focus on that like pre and post placement. Um, You know, even language as they're not birth moms until they place their child, until they sign, you know, relinquishment. Um, They are expectant moms and they are considering their options on whether they want to parent their child or whether they want to place their child for adoption. So that was very important to us, just the care that they showed to those women. Um, so we're in that apartment and I got pregnant while we were moving. Oh my gosh. Yeah. So we were waiting. I'm sure you were not expecting that at all. Yeah. So since we had moved from our townhouse into our apartment, we had to update our home study and we had the option of just kind of going on hold and saying, okay, we don't want to do, you know, pay the money to update our home study, do, you know, redo the clearances and stuff. Um, we want to wait until we're in our house, but we decided not to do that. We were like, no, if we go active tomorrow and someone chooses us, like we want to bring that baby home to an apartment, even though it would be crazy, who cares? Right. It's a short time. So we had scheduled our home study provider to come and see the apartment so she could update all of that. Um, and I found out I was pregnant like two days before she was supposed to come. Oh my gosh. Yes. And with our agency, they don't allow you to be active with them if you are pregnant or kind of pursuing like pregnancy and fertility options. Okay. Yes. So, and you know, we knew that we were totally fine with that. So I reached out to her and I was like, Hey, I'm pregnant. Um, or I took a pregnancy test. I'm pregnant, but you know, it's kind of, you know, long story. Like I thought I had my period, but still had some symptoms, took a test positive. So I'm waiting for blood work from my doctor to confirm that I am pregnant. She's like, okay. Because you already had the like chemical pregnancy. You think it was, are you like hopeful or are you thinking like, okay, this is probably not going to end well? 
I was hopeful because I didn't, again, I wasn't a hundred percent sure what I had before as a chemical pregnancy. And it was very different than like, and this, this is the time. first time you've seen a positive pregnancy test, right? Yes. Yeah. Okay. And at that point, I mean, we'd been trying for about two years, That's like a year and a half. So wow. we were like, oh my gosh, this is, is crazy. Like yeah. I'm pregnant, you know? Oh. Um, but because of the bleeding and stuff, my doctor had me come in basically for beta. And then when I went back for the second one, um, they called me and confirmed that it was a chemical and that my numbers had dropped. So it was horrible. You know, like that was, right. I'd never experienced grief or loss before. I was very fortunate that all my grandparents were living and, you know, I had close relationships, you know, just, I just had never experienced that. So that was very wild. Um, I started talking to a counselor at that point. Cause I just was so sad and just couldn't pull myself out of it. Obviously I didn't know what to do, um, how to, you know, how to feel other than just horrible. And so I that mean, was, you were so excited. I mean, for anyone, like you're so hopeful. You waited so long. You finally see that positive test. And then it for like literally days, it just be ripped away. I mean, it's devastating. Yeah. It's really- and it, and it felt, felt weird thinking, okay, like I only knew or thought I was pregnant for two days. So why am I so sad? Even though it's only been, you know, this, in those two days, you literally plan your whole life. You see your whole future. You see like, okay, whether it's a boy or a girl, you picture this whole life that you, you know, would have together as a family. And I mean, it's, it's heartbreaking. It really is. Yeah. Yeah, it really is. And so, you know, like I knew that due date, had that due date in the back of my head. Um, just always, um, So even through that grief, I have to say, like, I never felt closer to God. Um, I still felt like, okay, God still has a plan for my family. And even though this is horrible right now, we're going to, you know, get through this. We're going to be okay. There's, you know, there's something else for us. Um, So during that, I mean, honestly, just like a week. So I had contacted our agency, um, our home study provider and told her, okay, I actually did, you know, I had a miscarriage, um, still trying to figure out what we want to do about adoption. So if we could just kind of be on pause with that and I'll get back with you and, you know, they're great. They're like, absolutely. So during that week we were walking, um, my husband and I, and I was just like, like, what do we do? Do we continue on with adoption? Do we, you know, do we try to get pregnant again? And my husband was like, Oh, like maybe we should try to get pregnant again. But then thinking back and my doctors said the same thing. It's like, we tried for so long for with nothing. And then we have this, you know, unexpectedly can't guarantee it's going to happen again. So do we want to spend another year or two or however long trying to get pregnant and think that maybe this won't ever happen again? So we were, so that day, one of the days we were walking, um, the girl who did our profile book, she shared our profile book on her Instagram page that day and was like, Oh, I love doing this, you know, book and just kind of showcased her work. And it was just like, Oh, stabbed to the heart. Right. Like, we don't Gosh. know if we're going to pursue yeah, adoption. Yeah. So I just saw that. And I was like, I think this is a sign. Like, I think, you know, we should continue on with adoption. So David and I are talking And, um, he was like, I just don't know. And I was like, no, I just, I really think this is a sign that we just need to continue on with adoption. And he just kind of stopped. And my husband is the nicest guy. I have seen him angry maybe a handful of times and we've been together for 13 years. Like he does not 
blow up. He does not flap the handle. He is always very calm and controlled. And he just stopped and he said, F it, do whatever you want. And it was like in that moment that we both kind of looked at each other and we were like, whoa, infertility. Yeah. Like this is crazy. It is so hard on relationships. Yeah. I mean, and I know there's a very high statistic of divorce rates. Divorce rates. Yeah. It's crazy. Yeah. So in that moment, we we just kind of looked at each other and we were like, all right, no matter what happens, it's, it's the two of us, like our marriage, number one priority. If babies come, that's wonderful. If they don't, we'll be sad, but we will find a way forward. And it's still going to be, you know, the two of us just, we just always had to check in and make sure like we were good relationship wise. So So I just want to like comment on that because that's a huge point. Like I know you said statistics rates for divorce are so high when you're going through for like any kind of infertility, trying to get pregnant, miscarriages, all the things, because it's so hard on, on each individual. And I think especially like you can like almost retreat inward and forget to kind of do that check-in and and because it's the woman that's usually happening to that you kind mm-hmm. of forget about the husbands, but you for, you forget that they also are going through it. And it could be hard sometimes to like have that conversations and communicate and check in with each other. And so it's just so important. I just wanted to like, just touch on that, that that's a huge, huge thing to do and just keep reminding each other to have those check-ins, even if it's weekly, monthly, whatever, just something. So you guys can like still be on the same page. Yeah, absolutely. And that for us, that moment was kind of like, yeah, the defining moment for that. We're like, all right, we need to make sure this is, yeah, we're good. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So we decided to go ahead and continue like with adoption. Both of us were on the same page with that. Um, And we went active in November of 2020. So that all happened like September. We went active November, like around Thanksgiving weekend, actually, which was cool. Um, And it's so crazy because everybody is always like, oh, you're going to get a baby so fast, you know? And even though, you know, like the national whatever statistics, it's still like, oh, but maybe like we're going to go active and we are going to be that couple that gets that baby the next day. Yeah, that is not what happened. Um, (laughs) So um, we applied for grants, um, which is, I think, important for everybody who's pursuing adoption to know that there are many, many grants out there. Um, that will help in all different ways. We were only eligible to apply for a few. So we applied for some, our agency was awesome. They sent out a list of ones that they had the most success with, with their um, clients and stuff. So they, um, we applied for them, kind of forgot about them really, because we were you know, moving, doing all of this stuff. Um, so a couple months after we went active, so we're into like 2021 at this point, um, we'd seen, you know, several situations said yes to many. I never kept track of how many situations we said yes to just because it was just too hard for my heart um, mm-hmm. to do that. So said yes to a bunch of situations, basically heard no, they chose other families. So after, you know, many months of that, it's, you get kind of weary and you're like, oh, no one's going to choose us. Like what's wrong with us? Why not me? There were some people who went active after us that were being chosen before us. And again, you're just like, even though, you know, God has a plan for everybody. It's, it's still hard to see. Yeah, yeah, it totally is. So um, one day we were kind of like, oh, should we even, you know, keep doing this? And again, it's funny because it hadn't been that long that we'd been active, but it felt like forever, forever. for us. 
And um, so, yeah, I just kind of had conversations like, should we still be doing this? And at that point we decided like, okay, we're going to hit our one year mark, which was our contract with our agency. And if that, you know, if we haven't had a placement after a year, we'll kind of reevaluate and figure out what we want to do. So <clears throat> we had that conversation. I get a text from our agency the following day when I was at work that congratulations, we just got information like the notification that you had been awarded this grant that you applied for. And I was like, wait, what? Like, <laughs> yeah. First of all, we forgot we applied for it. Second of all, we never got notice. Well, it was still in like the mail forwarding. So we never got the letter. Got it. Oh my yeah. gosh. So it was a pretty sizable amount, which was like, again, so surprising. Um, and so that was kind of like, okay, okay, God, this is a sign. Like, well, you know, I'm just going to keep going, like stop complaining, whatever. So May 2021 rolls around. And then that is the due date that I would have had with that chemical pregnancy that I had had. And it was very sad, very hard for me. And so we planned like a little weekend getaway. I like, it was fun. It was great. It was nice to get away. I just couldn't be home. And while we're there, I'm just like crying my eyes out like one night, just all night long. This is just horrible. Like, why did this happen? I don't understand. The next day we're driving home and we get another text from our agency saying that the grant that we were awarded, they'd actually increased it. And so we were just like, oh my gosh. What is happening? Oh my God. Yeah. Yeah. So at that point we were just like, all right, God, you've got a plan. Like we are not going to question this anymore. Like, why do we keep questioning? This is so crazy. Like literally trying to tell you like, hello. Yeah. Keep going. Yeah. Yeah, totally. So the next month um, my grandfather passed away. And that was just really hard. It was just kind of like hit after hit, after hit, after hit. Um, we were super close. David was very close with them as well. Um, and that just kind of made it even more like we just wanted to have a child even more, you know, like we wanted, you know, it was really sad that he was never going to meet my children. Um, we wanted to make sure, you know, like, oh, we really want our parents to know our children. Like, oh, why is this taking so long? So that was June, you know, kind of grieved pretty much all summer, just the loss of my grandfather. Um, so then August, 2021 was the first time that a situation we had said yes to an expectant mom wanted to talk to us. So we were like, oh my gosh, this is the first time. This is crazy. What do we say? Freaking out. So I have like a little timeline of what happened because it just all happened so fast. So Friday we had that phone call with our agency and the expectant mom and it went wrong. Like we said, all the, it was like the worst first date ever. Like we said and asked all the wrong things. Like it was just, yeah, it was not good, but we were still hopeful. We were like, Oh, maybe it was just awkward, you know, whatever. Um, Yeah. So that happened Friday, Saturday, some of our best friends came into town and they, it was so fun. Like we just just like partied it up all over Charleston, like did all the fun, you know, kidless things. Um, they left Sunday, Sunday night. We actually were sitting in what is now our son's nursery and we would go in there to like pray. And I never really wanted to set it up. Um, but we had, you know, we had the crib, we had all the things. And I just kept the door closed. But a week prior I had been like, David, just put the crib together. Like, I just, I just want the crib together just so there is like a little bit of hope in there. And so we were sitting in the nursery and we were just looking at everything we had. And we were like, all right, if we bring a child home tomorrow, what, what do we need? Like, what do we have? And what are the things we'll need? So it's nine o'clock at night. We're sitting there and we get a message from our agency about an urgent situation 
an expectant mom who's doing a couple days. And we were like, we looked through everything and we're like, well, this is crazy. And so we talked to them, you know, telling them we talked to this expectant mom a couple days ago. What do we do? And they were like, if you want to say yes, say yes. You don't know who she's going to choose. She talked to some other families as well. You don't know if she's going to decide to parent, you know, just always put your yes on the table. So we did. And so we said yes to that situation. And we're like, all right, are we going to be bringing a baby home in a couple of days? This is crazy. Right. Gosh, this is insane. Yeah. So the next morning, Monday morning, I'm driving to get acupuncture and we get, um, I get a phone call from our agency that said the expectant mom we had talked to Friday chose a different family. And my initial thought was like, oh, that's okay. Because this other situation is meant to be ours. Right. Um, but then I got off the phone with her and it just like hit me that we could hear two no's in one day. And at that point, you know, I was like, I can't do this. This is so crazy. You're like, how much so, like more no's or rejection, quote unquote, of course it's not true. Like you're not being rejected, but it feels that way. I'm sure. Absolutely. Absolutely. How much more can I take? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And that's, I mean, that was, so that was, this was August, the middle of August. And that's basically when I got you know, pregnant the year prior. So it was just all of these. So many things coming together. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. So I fell apart. I get to acupuncture. I like tell her everything and I'm like crying. She puts all the needles in and then all the energy flow and like makes it worse. I was supposed to meet my friend for lunch afterwards. I couldn't even call her because I was like sobbing so bad. I like text her and was just like, I can't come. Here's what's going on. She's like, I'll pray for you. Like it was so sweet. Um, but so I'm driving home. And for everybody who lives in Charleston, I'm on the Wando bridge, just like, oh my gosh, sobbing and just so angry, like screaming at God. Like, why are you allowing me to go through this? Like how much more heartbreak can I take just on this giant bridge? Like, ah, what is my life? (laughs) So I get home and I had counseling set up that that day. Um, So I'm with my counselor talking to her via Zoom, crying, telling her everything and I was like, and I have these onesies that I bought, but I haven't washed them and I can't wash them. And oh. the situation that we were waiting to hear back from was in a different state that was 13 hours away. Yeah. So she was like, you have to wash the onesies. And I'm like, I can't wash the onesies. And she was like, you could be getting in your car and driving 13 hours. Like you need to have the onesies ready just in case. But I don't know what it was about these onesies. It just like was this symbol. Yeah. So she was like, when you get off of here with me, wash the onesies. So I am just like sobbing, like putting these Throwing onesies in the in wash. The wash. So yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, if I take these out and then we find out that we were not chosen, these are going I'm to trash. Like, <laughs> yeah. Can't even look at them. Yeah. So um, yeah, all day, just emotional mess. And um, that night, Sunday night, 10 o'clock, we get a call from the paralegal who's handling the case that she chose us. Oh my gosh. Yeah. And so she was like, you need to pack a bag. You could be, you know, she could go into labor right now. Like you, you just don't know. Okay. Wait, what is your, like you and your husband's initial like reaction? Were you freaking out? Oh my gosh. Out? Freaking out. We were like, there is no way. Like, what are you serious? Oh, like, he, so like our child could be born tomorrow, you know, but still knowing at the same time that, you know, she could change her mind, decide to parent. And, you know, us, we would fully support that because obviously, you know, keeping a family together is like best case scenario. Right. Um, so, you know, we were crazy excited, but also trying to like handle expectations. So 
Yeah. I threw like the craziest things in my suitcase. I can't even tell you what it was. Cause she was like, if the baby's already born, then you're going to have to fly up there, Samantha, while your husband drives up there with your things. Cause like, you know, you'll need to go to the hospital. And I was just like, I can't do this by myself. Like David needs to be there with me. So like, like, thankfully that's not how it worked out. But, um, the next couple of days we were just driving around like crazy, like getting stuff together. One of our good friends dropped what she was doing when I told her and brought me like all of her son's stuff. Oh, that is like so sweet. It was so great. And we didn't know at this point if it was boy or girl. Yeah. Like, so, this is so exciting. Okay. Sorry. I'm like, this is crazy. Yeah. It was really crazy. So we, you know, getting all the things that we needed, but also, you know, glued to our phones. Like anytime we got a text where it's like, Oh, who is it? What is it? What's going on? Yeah. Um, so a couple of days passed, um, Thursday morning, we, um, and, um, five minutes later, I get a text from the caseworker that she is in labor and heading to the hospital. So, I mean, less than an hour, we had all of our stuff in the car and we are like Literally driving. Great. Yeah. Oh my gosh. That's insane. Yes. Yeah. So, I mean, that was like the craziest 13 hour drive. I don't even know if we had music on, like we were just like, like uh... giddy, I'm sure, <laughs> like talking and like, and this, you had to have the car seat in the back seat. Yeah. Which is yeah. so crazy. Yeah. And for people who don't know, when you adopt out of state, you have to wait out. It's called ICPC. It is the inter, hold on, I wrote this, interstate compact on the placement of children. I don't know why I can never remember that. Do but you have um, to stay there for how long? It depends. Every state's different. Um, but basically it could take, they tell you to be prepared that it could take up to two weeks. Gosh. So you have to like basically live out of a hotel then for the day. Yes. Yeah. yeah. And so we were like, you know, just waiting. And so as we're driving up there, I'm looking at Airbnbs. Well, August, where we went, um, I'm not going to share like all the details, but where we went um, is like vacation time. So there were no Airbnbs. It was like $800 a night was the only one that was available. And that was like an hour away from where he was born. Yeah. So we were like, all right, hotel. Yeah, this is what we're doing. Yeah. We're going to live in a hotel. Um, So yeah. So right as we pull into like, we, I think we were like 30 minutes away from the town. Um, we found out that he was born and he was boy. And so our son Desmond, so sweet. Um, so we obviously didn't sleep much that night. Um, and then the plan was to go and meet them the next day. Um, we have an open adoption. And so we, you know, we got to meet our son's birth mom and, you know, we have phone numbers and, we do updates and chat and stuff. And it's really great. That's amazing. That's really what we had hoped and prayed for. Um, and so I'm just so thankful that that's the way it worked out. Um, but yeah, our plan was to go the next day, meet them. We were just kind of waiting to hear from her, um, because of there was like a lack of communication with hospital and attorneys and stuff. At one point when we had gotten to the hospital before we got to meet her, um, we thought the adoption had disrupted. And so, Again, there's a lot more to the story, but we don't, we'd like to keep our child's story, just kind of protect that and let that be for him. Um, But yeah, so we were kind of waiting. And then at one point we had to leave. And so we left the hospital thinking we were going to be leaving without him and that he wasn't going to be our child, (laughs) which was horrible. I mean, at that point, like, like fully heartbroken at this point, lowest point in my life, just like we're done with this. I'm not going to do this again. I know many families um, that have experienced multiple disrupted adoptions. And 
well, my heart goes to them because I think if we'd experienced one, I'm not sure that I could have continued on. It's absolutely heartbreaking. Yeah. So as we're pulling out of the hospital, um, his, our son's birth mom contacted me and we talked and stuff and like got, you know, the download and what happened. Um, and it wasn't, it wasn't her. It wasn't anything like that. It was strictly other communication stuff. Um, so we pull back into the hospital. I'm like, do I look like I've been crying? Oh. And David's like, yes. <laughs> Swollen eyes, red oh, veins. No. Um, I'm sure she could now appreciate it. Cause like, yeah. At the end of the day, I think everyone would want just the child to be so loved. So I feel like she would be yeah. like, I understand why you would be crying anyway. Yeah. So crazy. So anyways, we go back, we meet them. Um, she, again, she's wonderful. She's lovely. Like I, I hate all of these narratives about, you know, birth moms and stuff, all of, you know, everybody wants to tell you this crazy story that they heard. And that is just absolutely not the case in a lot of situations and definitely not in our situation. So, um, I will sing her praises forever. Um, so yeah, I'm just so thankful that she chose us. It's just crazy. So we were, we stayed there, um, for, I think it ended up being about a week. I think it was like five business days. So my mom flew up to help us because we had no idea what we're doing. And, <laughs> yeah. Um, we're like, who does, who said that we were responsible enough to do Good this? Like, we don't know what to do. Yeah, like, how do we bring this baby home? Yeah. Oh, yeah. totally. So. Oh, oh my gosh. That is so incredible. So exciting. So at this point, where are it is now what? You're so what? August. August. 2021. Yeah. Yeah. So flash forward to December. 2021, December 1st, find out that I'm pregnant. Our Shut son up. is three and a half months old. Yeah. Oh, and gosh. it was kind of the same situation as the chemical pregnancy. I thought I had my period and, but then kind of felt off and I was like, yeah, that was kind of a light period. And so I took a test and positive, like what? Yeah. Um, are you still like, okay, it's probably just going to be a chemical again, or are you more hopeful? I was nervous, but I was more hopeful because um, my numbers were higher this time. And then when I did the beta, like higher, like the second time. So, and you we literally like, have a three month old. Yeah. Oh my gosh. It was crazy. We were like at the doctor's office with him, like in the carrier and everybody's like, what? <laughs> like what is happening? Oh yeah. my gosh. Yeah. So I was going through a lot of stress at that point. Like I lost a relationship with somebody I was super close with just very, very stressful time in my life. Um, so when we went in for ultrasound, it was around seven weeks and, um, the baby was measuring small, but they still found a heartbeat. And so my doctor was like, you know, giving her history, we're just gonna be cautious, but kind of see, um, the day after Christmas, I had a little bit of spotting. It was barely anything though. Like I almost didn't call my doctor, but I was just felt like I should. And so she got me in like that day and, um, did an ultrasound and they no longer found a heartbeat. And so I was just like, what the heck? Like, we were so happy with our child. Like we weren't trying to get pregnant. Like why did this, this happen? happen? Yeah. Yeah. Like, I mean, I was so mad at God, you know, my first, my first one, I was like, never felt closer to God. And this time I was kind of just like, what are you doing to me? Like, why even put me through this? We have our baby. Yeah. I'm happy. Why even yeah. like, bring up any of this? Yeah, absolutely. Totally. Oh, so frustrating. So I decided to do a DNC because um, I wanted to do like the genetic testing, which that even like after I decided that, then I was all sorts of like, that's my baby, you know, like, oh, how do I feel about that? But um, 
I just couldn't deal with, I think, taking, you know, the medicine and the, all that kind of stuff. I heard you and Kat's story and like, horrific. Yeah, no. And I just, yeah, I wasn't in a place where I could do that. So, um, do the DNC and because of like COVID and backlog with all these labs, I mean, I don't think we got the results for like almost two months. Like it was insane. Yeah. Oh, it was a long time. Oh my gosh. And so you're just literally sitting in limbo, like yeah. waiting to yeah. know why, yeah. if there was any chromosome issues, anything. Mm-hmm. And that's what I was expecting. Right. Because yeah. I hadn't gotten pregnant for so long. I'd had, you know, a chem- maybe two chemical pregnancies just kind of assumed there was something wrong with my eggs. Right. Like just, that was causing issues. Yeah. Um, during that time, I saw a new therapist who kind of specializes in women's stuff like fertility, pregnancy loss. So if anybody in the Charleston area is looking for somebody, please reach out to me because I cannot recommend her enough. She was so wonderful. Amazing. Um, yeah. So did all of that. So then we got the results finally that there was nothing genetically wrong. We were kind of like, all right, what do we do? Like, definitely we were trying not to get pregnant at that point, like trying to be more careful. Um, and I talked to my doctor and we decided we wanted to do like recurrent pregnancy loss testing. Um, so funny enough, she had said like, she could do it or I could be referred to like, um, a reproductive endocrinologist. So I called a fertility clinic here and I scheduled an appointment. And when I talked to the girl on the phone, she was like, okay, so then after your initial consult, then you can decide if you want to do IVF or IUI. And I was like, like wait, wait, I don't know if I want either. <laughs> like, I don't think I want to do that. Like, I'm just yeah. trying to figure out, like, is there something wrong? Like what's yeah. going on? And so I just kind of had a weird feeling about that. So I think like a week later I called and I canceled it. Um, and yeah, cause it was just like, whatever, I'm just gonna do this with my, you know, OBGYN. She knows my story. We'll just stay with her. So we were basically waiting for day three of my cycle to start the blood work. And then I had like my saline ultrasound scheduled. And like, I was going to talk to her about, you know, maybe do I have silent endo after listening to y'all's podcasts and listen to other stories? I was like, I might have that. Like some of my symptoms kind of match up with that. Um, so yeah, I was finally like kind of coming out of the grief fog from like the last miscarriage. And, you know, that was just so hard dealing with that. And then like my baby that I I have at home, I felt like I wasn't being a good mom because I was so like, you know, in my own grief and trauma and, you know, he needed me. And so that was just, that was a really, really hard, dark time in my life. Um, so yeah, I'm waiting for, you know, day three of my cycle to start the blood work and was maybe like one or two days late, but not super rare for me. So I was like, okay, whatever. And then some of my telltale pregnancy signs that I have now experienced multiple times. Um, I will, the progesterone spike gives me hot flashes and I'll wake up in the middle of the night and have to pee. And that happened. Oh my gosh. Are you like, I was like, not again. I was <laughs> so mad. Yeah. Happened. Yeah. I was like, no, I can't, I can't do this. So I take it a test so fast back to back. I'm sure. Cause like, it took so long for even that first time that you like thought maybe you were pregnant. And then even then the second time it took a long time. So for it to be like quick like that. Yeah. That's crazy. Yeah. So at that point, I'm like, here we go again. I am going to have another miscarriage, like right when I'm starting to feel like myself again and all of that. Um, so call my doctor's office, talking to the nurse, like crying, like I just got a positive test. You know, I'm like, this isn't fair. Like, why am I so upset? Like getting a positive test, you know? So um I went in that day for blood work and my numbers were crazy high. I can't remember what they were, but they were so high. So she's like, Well, have you come back in in two days? So go back in and they had like more than tripled. So 
Oh my gosh. And yeah. it, at this point, that's never done that, right? Mm-mm. No, no. The last one, I think they doubled, like they were like just enough, but this one. And yeah, your son working. is how many months at this time? He was like eight months old. Wow. Which is still a baby, right? Like, oh. It's still crazy. No, my literally my son's 14 months and I'm like how I could not even imagine uh, like getting pregnant right now. So I totally am like, wow. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Yeah. It was crazy. So we do that. Um, and we're like, I still was just like, I'm going to lose this baby. I, you know, whatever. So at five weeks and six days, I was at work and I started cramping. And I text my husband. I was like, oh my gosh, I'm cramping. I'm freaking out. And he was like, calm down. I'm sure it's nothing. Like you're just, you know, just anxiety. And then shortly after that, I started bleeding. And so I just, I was like, I'm going to continue working. Like I had clients sitting in my chair with color on their hair. And I'm like, it's fine. Like I've had a miscarriage before. Like, obviously that's what's happening. Like, why am I going to cancel more work? Because I've, you know, had to keep canceling work because of miscarriages and babies and all this stuff. So I could not do that. My body just would not allow me. Like I was like trying to shampoo somebody and I was like, I can't even move my hands. So yeah, it was, it was insane. So I left and went to my doctor. They did an ultrasound and, um, my husband was with me with our baby then too. Cause I was like, I can't go by myself. I can't like get this bad news. Well, of again. course, like and alone. Oh yeah. my God. No. So they do the ultrasound. They see the bleed, but they also see the baby and the heartbeat. Yeah. So my doctor's like at this point, 50, 50 on what's going to happen. Like given your history, like we don't know. So she was like, you're just going to be in here weekly for ultrasounds. So that's when I started going weekly for ultrasounds and I continued spotting every day until 16 weeks. Did you have like a subchronic hemorrhage or what what, was that? Okay. Yep. Yep. So that's what they ended up like diagnosing that as, um, which is crazy. Like some stuff I found out later on about that, but, um, cause I know it's common cause I had one, but it's more common with like IVF and yes. Stuff like and that's that. what, yeah. Eventually when I got referred to, um, MFM, he told me that. Mm-hmm. And so, and then like the placenta issue that I ended up having, but, um, yeah. So into weekly appointments and, um, you know, they're kind of like, we don't know why this happens, but it does. So I think when I hit like 16 weeks was when really it was like, every appointment kind of after that, they found something different. Um, which, you know, you think like, okay, you get to eight weeks. That's, you know, that's a big milestone yeah. and then 10 weeks and then 12 weeks and then 16 weeks. Like, Oh, but because I had that bleeding every day, it was just like, if I didn't have it for several hours, I was like, Oh, okay. Maybe it's gone. And it would come back. And then just immediately like took me back to like, I'm going to lose this baby. Which is like so traumatic in itself. I can't even like such a total, like mind F honestly, like, because in your, like, obviously you have a baby. So you're like happy and excited that you have this like child, but then again, now you're pregnant and it's like a constant traumatic thing every single day. I, oh my goodness. I couldn't even imagine. Yeah. And then at that point, I think it was like shortly after, I think I was like around six weeks when I started like throwing up every day. And so then I was like, yeah, thankfully, I, mean, I had, I had not, like I was nauseous all day long, but I was only actually throwing up like in the mornings for the most part, there were sometimes it was later on. So I was thankful that it was kind of just like, it wasn't all day long, yeah, but yeah. I still like my whole pregnancy, like food did not taste good. Like, well, it was just, I was tired around ligament pain, just like nothing that I ever expected. Yeah. Yeah. Like I waited so long for this and why can't I enjoy it? 
And so many people were like, you just need to enjoy it. You know, da, 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 da. And I'm like, you don't understand. Like, like I physically can't. I can't physically enjoy it. Like 24 seven, I think I'm losing my baby. And it's just, it was, it was so hard. And I think I kind of, at some point kind of disassociated it like from my body. Like I wanted to feel like very connected to my child. And I did at, you know, a certain point, but, um, it just, my brain just could not. I'm sure it's also like a coping mechanism. I would imagine that you were like, okay, I can't get too excited or too hopeful or whatever, because at, at any second, I'm sure you probably were like, things can just go bad and I can lose this child. Yeah. And that's, I found out like through counseling and stuff that it's literally like what your brain does, um, to kind of protect yourself because yeah. I've been through it before. I know what to do. So I was always like, okay, I'm going to lose him. And then da, 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 like just constantly playing that. I didn't want to, you know, like I didn't want that to be the situation, but it was. And then especially at every doctor's appointment, it was just like, just one thing after another. So when I was around like 18, 19 weeks, um, at one of the scans, they saw that my placenta was coming off the wall of my uterus and yeah, so scary and dangerous. Yeah. So they put me on kind of modified activity. And so I had, um, like a neighborhood girl come in and kind of help me with my son on the days that I was home. I had to cut my work hours back since that I do is like really physical. Um, so after a couple of weeks, they scanned again and my doctor is actually out of town for that scan. And so they saw that, okay, the uterus or my, um, placenta was curved off the uterus. Like it wasn't coming off. It was like curved off, which is like a circumvallate placenta, um, or circumvallate. Everybody says it different. Um, and then what they, they saw like a band running through it. And so they thought it was scar tissue, which is, um, snakia or snakey eye. Again, I've heard it said like 20 different ways by different medical professionals. Um, and so they were kind of like, this is probably scar tissue from your DNC. And I was like, good, good grief. Like, are you freaking kidding me? Like, I can't get away from this. Are you kidding? So they, you know, they assured me like the scar tissue was very, very thin. Um, if that's what it was and that it shouldn't affect, you know, baby or pregnancy, but it still was just like, oh my gosh, one thing after another. So I go home and I did look this stuff up. I wasn't like looking for worst case scenario. I'm just like, it's my body. I need to know what's going on with it. And so the scar tissue thing actually wasn't that concerning to me, but the circumvallate placenta was. And so I was like, uh, oh my gosh. And so I called the nurse back and I was like, hey, whenever my doctor's back in town, um, can I, and I'll come in if I need to, or if she needs to a phone call, like, I just want to talk about this. And so, um, the next week talked to my doctor and at that point she was like, I'm just going to go ahead and refer you to maternal fetal medicine just to like have second eyes on it. Like everything's probably going to be okay, but we'll just, you know, we want to monitor and make sure. So what does it exactly mean? Like, what is it? I know you explained it's like more of a curve and it's not like fully like detached, but like what, what yeah. Is- so it is basically like where the placenta at some point has come off the wall of the uterus. So if you think of it, the other doctor that I saw kind of explained it in a way, like think of like, like an elf shoe, like Santa's elf shoe, you know, that kind of curves up. It's like that. It like kind of, there's a part of it that comes off the wall. And what can that potentially? So it can, it puts you at a higher risk for abruption. Um, You're at a higher risk of um, your water breaking early. And it can also affect baby's growth. So baby can stop growing, not getting all the nutrients that it needs because it's kind of cut off from the placenta. So that's basically what they're monitoring for. And there's, you know, all different, you know, 
how how bad it is, you know, the position of the placenta, like what the baby looks like, just all of that. So I was early 20 weeks at that point. I think I was like 21, maybe weeks around then. Um, so got an appointment with maternal fetal medicine, started monitoring there. Um, he confirmed that it was a circumvallate placenta and that the, what they thought was the scar tissue that they saw was actually a placental band, um, which is just the part that kind of connects that like off, like connects the placenta. So that was like, that was good news if there could be good news. Um, and it's not an amniotic band, which is like something that's like very serious and can be very harmful to your baby. Um, so he was not concerned about the placental band in my situation. Um, but just, I started going to see them for monitoring as well. Um, so yeah, at that point, then once I hit like 30, 32 weeks, I was at his office weekly and then at my doctor's office weekly for NST and then for ultrasound. Um, and basically, I mean, at, I had just, because of all of the risks, I was convinced that I was going to be delivering early. I was so afraid to do anything, you know, to risk like placental abruption. Um, cause also my placenta, it was anterior. So it was on the front and it was going up and down. So what, um, MFM, what he said was that as my belly would grow, it was going to be at a greater risk of coming off and abrupting even more because if it was in the back, you know, that's not the part that's like really stretching and stuff. Oh, so, so like, were you just a hot mess freaking out? Like your whole pregnancy, basically the whole time. Oh. Yeah. And I stopped working like a month before my due date, just because I was like, I mean, what I do is physical and then I also have a child at home, you know? So it's like, I just need to like be present at home and not overdo it on my body. Which I'm sure also is so hard. Cause I mean, if you love your job too, like that's gotta like feel like, okay, you're losing a little bit part of yourself, like through this pregnancy and your stress and, and like anxious. And there's just like, it sounds like every single visit, there's like something almost like continuously happening that, oh my gosh, I can't even, yeah. yeah. So sorry that you went through all that. Thank you. Yeah. It's, you know, it's like, I found myself like pulling into the doctor's office like every day and it was just like, I would just like feel this anxiety. I'm like, okay, this is because of like every other appointment and everything I found. But, um, I wound up being induced four days early. My baby made it like through that whole time and he didn't have any growth issues. Like we were concerned about, he was actually pretty big. So if I'd made it to my due date, he would have been over eight pounds because he was just under eight pounds. Yeah. Yeah. Oh my and gosh. Congrats. That's so exciting. You. So wait, when was he born? So he was born the end of November. So sweet. Oh my gosh. So they're literally what? How many? They're 15 months apart. You have your hands full. Oh my it is insanity in my house right oh, now, but so it's really good. Two boys that you have. Yes. Two boys, Desmond and Pierce. Oh my gosh. Well, congratulations. Thank you. Oh my goodness. That is so exciting. And so you said he's how many weeks? We're I don't know. Uh, like six weeks, six weeks. Oh my yeah. gosh. You're like in the thick of it right now. Totally. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. Oh, that is amazing to get to where you are. I mean, I know obviously you went through the freaking ringer, your whole pregnancy, even obviously trying for years and everything, but now you have your sweet baby and you got to walk through adoption and you have your boy that way as well, that you got to kind of experience both sides. So I think it's really cool. Yeah. Yeah, it is really cool. And that's, I am so thankful that I did get, you know, the gift of pregnancy and then also the gift of adoption. Like it's just, oh, just, I can't believe that 
we've made it here and going through all those like dark years and emotional, just, oh, it was so hard, but I'm like on the other side of it now. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't love the term rainbow baby just because personally for me, it feels like, oh, here, here's your consolation prize. And like, that is not what my boys are, but it is true that it's like, now that I'm, you know, holding both of my boys after, you know, what I experienced, um, both of them were born, um, 11 months after my previous miscarriages, which is just crazy. Um, and I think what I forgot to mention when I met my son, the day I met my oldest, um, was like when I met him and his birth mom, it was 40 weeks to the day that we went active with our adoption agency. So, you know, hindsight's 2020, right? Like you, I've been looking back just recently, especially like over all these years. And I'm just, I don't want to say I'm thankful for what I went through because I wish I never had to experience miscarriage and infertility. And I, you know, pray that nobody ever has to go through that, but here I am with my babies. And if I hadn't gone through what I did, I wouldn't have them and they wouldn't be here. Wow. That's so true. Oh, wow. Oh my gosh. Well, I'm so excited for you and just thank you for sharing your whole entire journey and just being so honest and open about everything. And especially the hard times, you know, it can't be easy going through recurrent loss and just grief and all of that, but you're so honest and we just appreciate, I think so many people can relate to that. Um, and now you have your two boys, which is so exciting. Um, is there anything you else want, you wanted to share any advice for anyone, maybe walking through adoption or recurrent loss or any last minute thoughts you would want to share with somebody? Um, it's just, I don't know, listening to these podcasts while I was going through that was very helpful for me, even though everybody's story is always so different, but hearing, you know, little bits and pieces or even just other really hard things that people walked through, but how they turned out for them still gave me hope, even in times where I felt super hopeless. So if that is where you are at in your season right now, just, it is hard to have that hope. And, you know, you can't be promised that at the end of your journey, there is going to be a baby, but, um, I pray that there is And just to like, to keep, just to have hope still, because you don't know what the end of your journey is going to look like. And this isn't the end of my family's story. I don't know what that's going to look like, um, in the years to come, but just, yeah, to keep having hope. And if you are a faithful first person to just trust that God really does work things together for good. That doesn't mean that there is not going to be horrible, hard times. And you can absolutely be angry about that. And you should be sad about that and experience, you know, all of those emotions and that grief. But, um, I just, yeah, there, there really can be, you know, a rainbow at the end of this journey. I love that. Well, thank you so much, Samantha. And I know you mentioned earlier, um, if people wanted to reach out, if they are in the Charleston area, um, if they are in need or wanting any counseling that they could reach out to you. So if it's okay, I'm going to put your, um, Instagram handle on our show notes. So if anyone wants to reach out, be sure to check it out there. Um, but thank you again for sharing your story. And we are so thankful that you were on today. Awesome. Thank you so much.